Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Extra Rounds Podcast. As always, my name is Mike. I'm Elias. And uh, we are here to talk all things MMA at 30 minutes past the hour. We will always, man. <laughs> 30 minutes past the hour, we will have Jared Brooks calling in to talk about his fight in Sao Paulo, Brazil, which did not go his way and is pretty controversial. Uh, one of a couple controversial talking points that came in mm. on the day. So we'll talk to him. But it's also uh, UFC 217 fight week, so we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about the other controversial moment from Sao Paulo and, and a few other things. So we always have uh, Mike P. work in the chat. So if you guys have any questions or thoughts or comments, feel free to chime in. And uh, Mike will uh, read the questions or uh, comments to us, and we'll get you involved in the discussion. Right. But first, while we, uh, while we wait to get Mr. Jared Brooks on the phone, let's talk about your trip last weekend. Uh. To Matt, uh, you went to Denver to go train with Matt Brown. He's uh, fighting UFC Norfolk a week after UFC 217. Um, in what could be his last fight, he's kind of seemed like he's gone back and forth on that now. So, what was it like to go out there and train with him for a weekend? It was really cool. Uh, it was really cool, Mike. I enjoyed it. We were just there for uh, three or four days, um, but we dove right in. Um, shattered him at all of his trainings for those three or four days. Got in there and trained with him and and with his team. It's an interesting. It's an interesting moment. Matt Brown. The last few interviews I've done with him over over almost the last year. A lot has been looking towards the, towards the future, towards possibly coaching. He, of course, uh, served as head coach for uh, was it, uh, Jesse Taylor, who won the last season of Ultimate Fighter. He seems to want to move in that direction, uh, yet he's still an active fighter. He announced that he was going to be his last fight. Um, but now, you know, he's not sure if it will be or not. But he's also moved on to different teams. So he went out to Denver from Ohio. Um, specifically to do the muscle farm thing, the train at that with team elevation at that muscle farm facility. But they moved, uh, or at least they're they're moving to Southern California. Uh, and so he kind of found himself uh, in the midst of a lot of change. He went over to Factory X. He's doing his camp there with Mark Montoya as, as the head of it. Really great group of people there. Um, and it's always fun, Mike, when, when, as you know, when you go to one of these elite camps and observe how they do how they do things. It's cool to learn techniques. It's cool to, to see method, uh, methodology as well uh, and some of the philosophy. And definitely have a couple takeaways um, about Matt Brown and also just about uh, what these elite camps are doing. Uh, I did a quick uh, live stream on, a, on my Facebook uh, mentions while I was out there last week and about one of those takeaways. And that was how, as opposed to, I think, in the early days of modern MMA, when the some of the most successful camps were known for brutal sparring and training with one another, I've had a former team Militic members tell me like people will get knocked out every day in practice, like every day, every day someone's getting knocked out. You hear similar stories from people that were at the, at the old Vantage shoot the box, um, and, and certainly you can't argue with their results, right? Like they produce champions, but they definitely hurt each other. A lot of these camps, though, the elite camps, I realized this when I went and sparred last year at uh, at AKA when I gone to Lausanne MMA, uh, when I've gone to um, other places like Nick Diaz's academy and trained there, uh, they don't kill each other in practice. You know, they might, or even going abroad to Tokyo or, or to the Netherlands, uh, even the Netherlands, I know they're, they're known for hard sparring, uh, at least where I went at Stefan Birkenpass's uh, Kyoko gym. You know, they beat each other up at the legs a little bit and the body, but not to the head. And at Factory X, which is really a lot, uh, consists of a lot of Muay Thai-based uh, fighters like Chris Kamosi, his brother Brian Kamosi, uh, they decidedly went 
pretty light and fast, at least in sparring with one another. They were creative. They were peppering each other, but they weren't beating each other's heads up in sparring. Matt Brown, too, he had some heated heated sparring, uh, but it wasn't anything where people were taking liberties. It wasn't where uh, people were digging into the head. Uh, they, they really, you realize now, modern MMA, I think a lot of the elite gyms are trending towards, let's make sure we focus on technique and timing and conditioning as opposed to beating each other's heads up and helping one another get to get to the fight uh, intact. That was pretty cool. The, uh, I think that's interesting because yeah. that's not necessarily the perception of AKA and you say that you train there. Yeah, no, that training. we could uh, – yeah, that's fun to talk about. So I, I feel like the negative perception of AKA is that's out there, the, the conventional wisdom, can. I feel like you could trace it almost 100% to Dana White's comments. I don't know that Dana White has ever gone there. I don't know that Dana White has ever trained there, or, you know. But he came out criti- very critical when, when people had pulled out. But no, when I, when I was there, I mean, heck, I was only there for a limited time ahead of UFC 199 for Luke Rockhold's camp. But, uh, but yeah, I, I was. I mean, listen, if they were if they were beating people up hard, they would have done it to me. Uh, but they they did. <laughs> and I was in the room. Uh, Kane was there doing the, the team practice. Uh, um, uh, Josh Thompson was there. Luke Rockhold, a lot of other pros. Um, Aaron Pico at the time was there, and yeah, they you know they dig into the legs and the body, but they did not, they did not go hard to the head. They just they just didn't. It was it was a very healthy, a healthy all around training environment uh, from what I saw. So yeah, once you're actually there, I think it's important to to look at as opposed to just a kind of conventional, kind of conventional wisdom uh, that, that you get out there. Um, regarding some of these camps. So that was really cool. I also think Mac Brown is going to be an amazing uh, head coach if he ever makes that transition full-time. Over over lunch after training, the last day I was there, just by me asking like a quick question, he we ended up spawning to this like 45-minute conversation which he was talking about nutrition, diet, and performance. And he's, he's he really cares a lot about strength conditioning and nutrition and in addition to the tech, the technical components of – of of, the, of fighting, like he's just he's just really well organized. He's really smart. He has a lot of experience, obviously, and he hasn't done those those decades plus of experience, years of experience mindlessly. He's really assessed, analyzed, and he's he's got a really great mind. Uh, and he's young enough that even when he retires, he'll be able to get in there and move around uh, with the guys and gals too. So he's gonna be he's gonna be a phenomenal phenomenal coach. I can't remember what uh, we we've talked about him coaching before, and I can't remember, but he was in a corner for an event, mm. and I was there and it was really i think it was just taylor right it was the, the was ultimate it? fighter finale this yeah. recently i think it was that one i think yeah. so i couldn't remember what event it was yeah. but uh, you're telling him after the fight he was talking to him yeah it's just really interesting to watch him uh you know in somebody's corner like oh. it's a completely different experience and seeing him like give the, the feedback or whatnot but yeah um you see a lot of uh i think more and more fighters you know becoming successful coaches dwayne ludwig yeah for example that's right um, but yeah, and, and talk about the injury thing. That's, you know, I think it's also a point of evolution in the sport. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, we've, you know, you went from events. So periodically to like three events a, 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 a month and people are taking it more. It makes me think of Dillashaw's comments about being an athlete versus Garbrandt mm-hmm. being a fighter and like how you treat it and whatnot. So, um, interesting stuff to, uh, to see there. And definitely it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Well, some stories coming out soon. Actually this, this new app that's coming out, I think, uh, at the end of this month, Sparmat is the one that sent me out there. So we'll have some. It's, it's focused on like training and that type of stuff, uh, human optimization. So we'll have some stuff there. I'll also do some writing for uh, uh, for mixedmartialarts.com about Matt Brown heading up to it. But it was really cool. It was it was. It's always fun, as you know, to go to some of these places and, and see how they do it. Um, get your butt kicked a little bit too. It was, it was fun. Did you get any indication of where he's on the retirement thing? <laughs> you know. Um, 
The so I hadn't read any comments since he announced some weeks ago. Hey, this is my last fight. I hadn't read any of the stuff of him kind of like not being undecided. But out there in person, yeah, I mean, it seems like he doesn't know, and it, it like doesn't know for certain that this will be the last one. And I think that's an, that's just him being honest. I think everyone, no one's ever certain. These athletes are never really certain, even after they retire, if that's going to be, if they're going to stay retired. Um, so I think right now he seems a hundred percent focused on Diego Sanchez and where he'll live next, what he'll do next, if he'll fight again next chatted a little bit about it and i don't know that he has any solid plans yet uh and i think that's because maybe he's just most focused on on diego sanchez like he's he's very much into this into this camp and into this fight like he's really excited he's as excited i think for this fight as the fans uh seem to be excited for this fight um so he's yeah he seems pretty freaking focused on diego i don't know if he knows what he's gonna do afterwards i think a lot of it depends on uh the outcome too you know like if it's a war like do I want to go through that again? Sure. If it's quick, like, yeah, I'll entertain another one. Diego Sanchez, though, does not seem like an opponent where a fight's going to go quickly. It's going to, it seems like it's going to be. Not many people put him out quick, right? Right. Like it ma- could be something that's going to be uh, brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Win or lose, it's, it often is brutal with Diego Sanchez. So we'll see. Um, What's going on in the chat, Mike? Kyle wants to know, uh, he says, looking forward to a great fight weekend. What non-title fight are you most looking forward to? Ooh. So it's kind of a good segue from Matt Brown to UFC 217 this weekend yeah. before we circle back to Sao Paulo. But, uh, man, what title fight am I mean, most looking I mean, forward look, to? Review the card I right mean, now. If you want to, the easy guess right now, or the easy one to say would be uh, Thompson Masvidal. Yeah, sure. It's, it, you know, it's not necessarily the most creative answer, but I think it's, um, <laughs> it's, a good one. It, it's an easy answer yeah. because you have a guy who fought in the last two title fights at welterweight yeah. or, or not the last two, but his last two fights were in welterweight title fights. Yep. You have a guy in Jorge Masvidal who um, has been climbing the rankings really quickly mm-hmm. and uh, fought Damian Maia. Um, you know, and if he won, he would have fought for the title. Yeah. So, you know, there's a storyline that's compelling there. There's also a video that came out of him and Michael Bisping running into each other in the in the elevator lobby at the oh, hotel. This week. Oh, what happened? Yeah. I didn't see it. Just a lot of trash talking between yeah. the two. Um, no fighting, as they both promised. <laughs> no fighting, just just trash talking. Um, but it's you know. So, anyways, he's he's becoming a, uh, a name out there, and you know he he had a really funny tweet this week about Colby uh, Covington and the whole ATT thing, like making a making a joke like AT and T. I'm switching to Metro PCS, kind of. Uh, I thought it was funny at least. Well, Maybe Mike it wasn't for everybody. No, Jorge Masvidal, because uh, he you know. Because Colby Covington's comments caused some division in yeah. ATT, and you know, I, or I'm assuming they did at least yeah. um, what it seems like. That, anyways, uh, so he was kind of in, uh, having some fun in that regard, I guess. But uh, James Vick, Joe Duffy, that's the main yeah. event on Fox Sports One. That's really interesting. James Vick is a, a super underrated fighter, and uh, Joe Duffy is kind of a guy who's got a little bit more clout behind him because of the mm-hmm. Conor McGregor connection when he came in. But James Vick is a guy. He's also from Texas, so you know that makes him a favorite of mine. But he's a, uh, um, you know, he's got a, a good record. I don't know off the top of my head what it is, but. Um, that's super another fire. super entertaining yeah. fight. Ovin St. Peru stepping into fight on short notice against Corey Anderson. That's yeah. one. That's an and, important fight at light heavyweight too. And and I think if I wasn't going to go the easy route and go Thompson Masvidal, the one that I would pick the most 
Mickey Gall, Randy Brown. Yeah, that's a fun one. Mickey Gall is just super entertaining. Yeah. The guy, he gets the sport. You know, he goes in. He has a plan, call outs. Uh, that thinks yeah. he really takes advantage of his thing there. But he's been away for a while. Uh, he's a local guy. Yeah. There's a history with Randy Brown outside the cage, mm-hmm. a personal history. Um, so there's a lot of storylines in that fight, too. Yeah, that's a good one. And uh, I, I expect Mickey Gall to be super entertaining. So Yeah, I'm curious how, how much he's improved in this last year. You know, he's young. He could... Be oh, he could be yeah. twice as good as he used to be. Randy Brown's a great fighter as well. Yeah, that's a good one. I uh, I like Alexi uh, Olenek and and our uh, friend of our show of the show Curtis Blades are fighting. I didn't catch Curtis while I was out there in Denver. He's he's out there. Um, he wasn't there the days I was there. But he uh, that's interesting. Uh, he's a great wrestler. Olenek is a really effective, unconventional uh, grappler. They both got some power. Uh, as far as the big boys go, that should be a really that could be a really interesting fight, and it's important. Like actually, like it's a pretty important fight to get to the next level, top ten level. I think for both guys, Curtis Blades is such a a fascinating hmm. person. He's this heavyweight, so he's huge in stature, <laughs> um, as a heavyweight would be expected to be. But he's a big, he's a real heavyweight though. <laughs> but yeah, he's also like just a really nice guy. Like when yeah. he came in here, he was talking about. Uh, he was talking about coming back to train with a, to help a high school student wow. win the wrestling title. Right. Like, could you imagine being in high school and having a UFC fighter come Pretty back? Because cool. he he's keeping his word and commitment yeah. to helping you train. There's there's you know there's a lot of good Chicago fighters mm. uh, in that mold. You know, Curtis Blades, Jose Shorty Torres is yeah. another guy yeah. who comes back even though he's a two weight Titan FC champion. He yeah. comes back and he. Uh, puts in time and work with the kids at Combat Doe. Clay and Guida and Ricardo Lamas do that too. They don't talk about it much. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, no, it's well, and none of these guys, you know, and yeah. it's, it's a slept on thing because none of these guys, Curtis Blades, Jose Shorty Torres, yeah. Guida, Lamas, none of them really broadcast it, but they do They do it and they yeah. put in that time and effort into their communities. And it's it's a real underrated MMA scene, I feel like, in Chicago. But it's true. Um, he, was fought, he fought at UFC 213, okay. if I'm remembering yeah. correctly. All the events are kind of blending <laughs> together. But he was at Media Day. Yeah. And he brought a he brought Curtis Blades as his brought a sci-fi book, and like I was I just kind of n- uh, noticed uh, we were I guess waiting for <laughs> stare downs or whatever afterwards, and I was talking to him about it, and uh, he's like a, he's an avid reader. That's like, cool. It's just he's he's a really intriguing person yeah, that I think yeah. uh, uh, people need to get to know a little bit better. So it's a good point. Yeah, it's a. Uh, that's my tangent to answer your card. I think uh, I, I think I gave like four fights, but yeah, it's a good card. It I is mean, a good card. It's a really good card. Yeah. Um. You know, a lot of people. I feel like you know Conor McGregor. It's like gets compared to that, but I mean, it's it's just as good as that card as yeah. that card was. Yeah. yeah you know, absolutely. you have five champions or former champions in uh, the yeah. six fighters in the main event. Yeah. You it's know? pretty. It's so, pretty crazy. We good in the chat? All good in the chat. Right. I was just gonna. <laughs> Add that I I love the OSP and Corey Anderson yeah. fight. Yeah, that's like if I was asked, that's that's the fight I'm going with because both those guys they're like on the brink, kind of what you guys were talking about in the heavyweight fight. It's like they're right there, and I think the winner of this gets a push into not top five, but you know, right there in the light heavyweight division, which right. needs more contenders. Knockout or Von Pru choke? Von Pru. <laughs> you think he's going Von Pru? I'm going Von Pru. <laughs> that's uh, it's always uh, entertaining to watch him but just because of that it's just like so unexpected it comes out of uh, nowhere yeah, it's, he really he really forces it to happen he uses the cage in cool ways to make it happen because you know everyone knows like how not to get caught in it the basic way like don't hold on to that head look headlock when you get side mounted you won't get von flu choke but he forces that issue uh and and, and still gets he it just at a high drives level with his shoulder he does into it's it. pretty it's, awesome 
I mean, it's it's really entertaining. Mm. Um, and, and you know, it, it's almost under the radar that he took this fight, and yeah. he's like just popped on. Um, I think I was looking at when we were talking about this. I was looking at it. I thought originally. The Anderson fight was on the fight pass prelims, and it looks like uh, they, it because out. it's St. Peru, they moved it to they the Fox Sports. They should. That's, um, a, that's a top 10 fight. Yeah, uh, and a good fight yeah. for free on Fox. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, that, that's definitely one to watch. But let's, let's since we're talking UFC 27, uh, I, I had on our notes fighter to watch. We yeah. talked about fight we're looking forward to. You mentioned it. We've talked about Curtis Blades. Is there a, a fighter to watch that you're, you've singled out? Oh, so many. Uh, I would say... The one one of them that I'm that I'm most looking forward to seeing, and it's a general thing, is is Stephen Thompson. I, he he came so close to becoming world champion. Um, one really thrilling fight, one that was just you know close, uh, close fought. It'll be very interesting. He took some damage in both of them against Tyrone Woodley. Be very interesting to see how he looks against another top five guy coming off of those. Like, is he just as is he just as sharp? Is he, you know, is he improved? Is he not worse for wear for the big couple big shots he took from, from Tyron, uh, the champion? Um, you know, is he just motivated? Maybe we can glean that. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing that fight overall. But I like, I like Stephen Thompson a lot, and I think he's as good as anyone in the world at welterweight. Like I think he could very easily be the champion right now. So it'll be very, I've been, I'm really interested to see how he looks. Um, yeah, in this one. It's interesting. He hasn't been in the cage since 209. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's some, I guess, question marks about where he's at and how he's recovered and health and whatnot. Health is what originally uh, delayed this bout when Masvidal called for it. So there's certainly a lot of question marks there. Um, How about you? I mean, outside of the the five fights I picked out to watch. Right, um, I know. uh, I think the, you know, George St. Pierre is the easy one to point to just because he's been gone for four years. And it's like, well, there's so many question marks about him. And I think... There's you, you you know you try to um, prognosticate the future and what happens if he wins or what what goes on or you know I, it's one of the hardest fights I think to pick just because I, you don't know anything yeah, about exactly. where he's at um, you know you you know what he's saying but he's not uh, you know Rose Namajunas I think is a really intriguing one to watch she's uh, oh. she's really come on as yeah. of late uh, I know two fights ago she lost mm-hmm. um, to Carolina and Carolina went on to fight Ioana in the next fight for the title so that was a super close fight yeah split decision uh, loss yeah. so uh, you know there's a lot of uh, you know I mean I mean you keep thinking about that Paige Van Zant win that was like such a gritty performance um, from both her yeah. and Paige but uh, I think that's really interesting to watch. Uh, you know, of course, all eyes would be on Johnny Hendricks to see how he's sure. uh, where he's at in his career. He's uh, gone out to Jackson Wink to train, so yeah. there's that aspect. Of course, he's always struggled with weight, so like, mm-hmm. what's going on there? Um, but anyways, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of intriguing intriguing storylines there really to uh, to watch. So um, I don't know. There's there's too many to pick. Here. <laughs> yeah, so those those are the kind of I guess the fighters that are standing out to me uh, on the card. But let, let's get into the title fights and break yeah. down. We were going to preview them and make picks. Sure. Anyway, so um, we got Michael Bisping and we got uh, George St. Pierre. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as I said, I think it's hard it's hard to prognosticate. If you, gun to your head, you have to pick to win. Who you who are you picking? <sighs> yeah, it really is hard. We we chatted about this last week. I guess if I had to take, if I had to pick someone, I, I'd have to create this fantasy in my head that they'd both be at their best. Um, I don't know that that's going to be the case, but if they were, I'd like the style matchup with George. I don't think Bisping, 
Bisping isn't the biggest middleweight in the world, so I think the size difference, although he'll have the advantage, will be could be mitigated a bit. So if George is just as sharp at his takedowns and his jab as he has ever been, uh, and Michael Bisping is at his best, I, li- I like the style matchup with George. I think George can do enough on the feet um, and to uh, to get inside, take him down repeatedly. But I have no idea what he'll be. But yeah, if I if I had to choose, then I would curate this contract in my head that they're both at their very best. And I, oh, I think Michael Bisping is a great fighter. Uh, I, I, if they're both at their best, I, I think it's a, as, as far as close matchups go, a favorable one for George. If they're both at their best, how much does the size difference play a factor? Like Bisping yeah. fought at light heavyweight. Right, right. Yeah, I think uh, it's hard to tell. I think uh, it, plays, it plays into it. But George has such so – I think at his best he has, he has, he has a type of blast double – um, and even clinch game with like upper body throw game that that couldn't negate it. I think he's he's he has the best he's the best takedown artist in the history of MMA, in my view. So I think he can negate it uh, a, a bit. And I think Michael Bisping has good takedown defense. I think he gets up really well. Um, I think it's an advantage. I think size is an advantage. But he's although he's a he's a good deal taller than George. He's he's just he's not that much. Thicker. I would be surprised if he's physically a lot, a lot stronger. I think Michael Bisping fought at light heavyweight, and he's a strong guy. But I think his his technique and his conditioning is what allowed him to do well there. And even though he's won, you know, he beat Anderson Silva. He knocked out Michael Bisping, mm-hmm. Henderson. The Silva and the Henderson fights were both less than convincing. Yeah, the Henderson was a horrible decision. Like that was just a that was a corrupt decision. A lot of people in my had. View. Henderson winning. I mean, he, yeah, a he, lot of people he had Silva. Silva I, I, I thought that was a closer fight, and I, I scored it for Silva as well, for sure, for sure. He unambiguously knocked out the champion, Luke Rockhold, but sure. But yeah, I don't think. I mean, his yeah, I, he's so, not he's not untouchable. That's for sure. Here's some some stats. I did a, like a crash course thing. Yeah. Here's some stats. Four hours, 58 minutes, Michael Bisping spent in the cage over an hour more than any other middleweight. Mm. Fought, that includes Silva. Yeah. Um, of course, part of that's the capability people. to finish. Yeah. Uh, five hours and 28 minutes total time, George St. Pierre has spent in the UFC cage. 30 minutes more than Bisping and an hour and a half more than any other welterweight. It's amazing. Um, Michael Bisping holds the division record for significant strikes landed. And it's 550 between him and second place. These wow. are all via fight metric. Uh, George St. Pierre. Uh, has the most significant strikes landed in welterweight division history. Uh, he also has the record for most strikes landed in welterweight mm. division history. Uh, he also, I th- and I think this might be the stat that mm. give, that shows George St. Pierre might be uh, the favorite to win. Bisping's threat is boxing, mm-hmm. his boxing. And George St. Pierre has a 73% significant strike defended uh, stat. Mm-hmm. Now, I know stats aren't like cool to get all into and stuff, but yeah. um, when you're looking at some of these things, like with two no, great guys like this, yeah, I yeah. think sometimes you have to get in there a little bit. To, like, no, it's fun, too. The strikes defended is a motherfucker, though. I, I think that I don't even know how they would constitute that. That would be very interesting to see how they assess that. But, yeah, he's got great defense for sure. He, you know, up, up until the last few fights of his career, he didn't take that much damage. He also, George St. Pierre, that is, has 87 total takedowns mm-hmm. as a welterweight record. Um, it's also more than twice the record for takedowns landed in the middleweight division. <laughs> wow, who has that record? Um, I don't remember off the top of my interesting. head. Um, so, interesting. Yeah, George, George's blast double is crazy. And, but, I mean, and that's kind of like his thing. And, yeah. and of course, Bisping, you know, knows it's coming and he's, you know, been critical about him and George St. Pierre has gone out there and say, my Michael Bisping's terrified of my wrestling. So, <laughs> you know, it'll be interesting right. to see how it, how it plays out. Yeah, um, it will be. 
you know, the other thing I think is really interesting is George St. Pierre has talked so much about trying to add weight, but doing it the right way. Mm. He's talked about people trying to add weight and doing it the wrong way and it being like you have bags on you. Yeah. Um, so he's been trying to put on weight the right way. So it'll be interesting to see how that all uh, plays right. out. Right. It will be. There was some weird criticism of, of the way his body looked. I thought that was absurd. They're like, oh, he's looking soft. Joe Rogan said he's looking soft. I, I think that's absurd. I mean, he's, he's 15 pounds heavier, so he's going to be bigger. But he's, at a, what, he's, he's not going to be the, like, 0% body fat. Yeah, I mean, he, he's what you would think he would look like. Yeah, in my view. And he had, I mean, he had abs. I'm not sure what they're talking about. But anyway, yeah. But anyways, <laughs> five minutes before Jared Brooks calls in, let's yeah. get uh, let's talk about a little Cody Garbrandt, TJ Dillashaw. Uh, how do you see this fight going? I, I don't know who to pick in this one. I I, I will I will say this: uh, Cody Garbrandt beat Dominic Cruz uh, more decisively than even TJ Dillashaw, who thought he beat uh, deserved to get the win against Dominic Cruz. You know, could conceivably, um, you know, said he did. So it's tough. Uh, I also I you know who knows? I mean, Cody Cody Garbrandt showed a completely like whole nother set of gears in that Dominic Cruz fight technique wise conditioning wise we didn't know what he you know that he could do that over five rounds we just didn't we knew he was an amazing fighter he was knocking people out and maybe he would knock out Cruz but to do what he did there showed a whole nother gear he's hasn't you know it's been a minute since he's fought so it'll be it's no real telling of what he's going to look like there there's his 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 camp has gone through all sorts of changes uh, Justin Buchholz just announced that he's not the head coach there. Like, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know who's been his main coach. I don't know how his body is. Um, same with T.J. Dillashaw. T.J. Dillashaw is in Southern California now. He was in Denver before. Like, he's have all, he has all sorts of training uh, changes. He's training with good people. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I think if, again, if they're both at their best, I think it's really, really tough. I think T.J. Dillashaw might be a little bit of a better wrestler than Dominic Cruz. So maybe if he's committed to – to looking for takedowns with the right game plan, uh, he, he can do it. But um, but uh, if I had to choose at their best against a common opponent, Cody Garbrandt looked uh, even better than TJ Dillashaw did, although there's, there's, no, there's no saying that that's a good measuring stick for how they'll fight. It's, it's tough for me to say. I feel like the takedown might be there for TJ more than it was for Dominic, but I don't know. What do you think? I'm, I'm leaning towards Cody. Mm. Uh, He's just younger, you know. I think there's a little bit of a less wear. Sure. Uh, not that it necessarily really matters in a situation like this, but um, it could. You know, it could. Yeah. Right. Uh, but the other thing is, like, they're both they both come from wrestling backgrounds. Uh, T.J. Dillashaw wrestled in college. Um, Cody Garbrandt was a all state mm. uh, or won the state championship as a wrestler as a freshman in high school in Ohio, which is a state that has great wrestler mm. uh, lineage there. So um, I think he could have wrestled in college, but he didn't. He's so, you know, when you look at the wrestling, I think it might be a little bit of like a toss up. Neither one of them have made it to where they are by relying on their mm. wrestling. Uh, Cody Garbrandt uses his wrestling to, um, to defend the takedown and keep, I think that's primarily how he uses his wrestling background is to keep it on the feet. Cause mm-hmm. he's got heavy hands and he's been boxing since he was like four um, or five years old. So uh, whereas Garbrandt's kind of his striking's evolved since mm-hmm. he's gotten into MMA first with team alpha male and Dwayne Ludwig. So, I mean, as, as great as he is, he also has that similar style to Dominic Cruz. When, when they fought, everybody was like there, you know, Dillashaw has basically done what Dominic Cruz was mm-hmm. doing. Um, in his next step in the evolution. So a lot of people combine and compare their styles as being similar, that fluid style, sw- you know, stance switching style. So uh, I, I want to give it to Garbrandt just because I think if, if you make, if Cruz and Dillashaw are similar, 
and Garbrandt was able to get by Cruz with ease. I mean, even if he has a harder time with Dillashaw, sure. like he, sh- he should still get by. Um, yeah, I agree. But, you know, the wrestling, I think, is a big factor, too. Like, if Dillashaw can get it to the ground, maybe he has an advantage there. But, mm. you know, Garbrandt's not an easy guy to get to the ground. <laughs> so, um, I think I was looking at it. I think, actually, in the Bantamweight division, uh, Dillashaw holds the record at 12 for submission attempts. Uh, so, that's kind of like a distinguishing step. But, like, if you look at percent percent significant strikes defended, like, Cody Garbrandt's fifth on the list in the division. Mm. Dillashaw's ninth. Um, Dillashaw, I think, holds the record for significant strikes and total strikes landed hmm. um, in the bantamweight division. But Cody Garbrandt owns the record for total knockdowns landed. Uh, of course, a lot of knockdowns. More than half of them came during the <laughs> dominant cruise fight. <laughs> right, so, right. you know, it's it's uh, it's interesting. But you know, like there was that gif going around that like Flow Combat tweeted out that was on yeah. Reddit of all Cody Garbrandt's knockdowns. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, it's impressive it's to say cool. the least. So, yeah, uh, it really is. And, and I feel like Garbrandt, he he gets he takes i think a lot of people view him as a hothead mm. and i think it's just how he expresses himself right. but i think he's actually calmer under the surface than evidently you sold real calm yeah. and poise and in I, that fight and i think that's what happened with cruz like cruz was trying to get in his head and i like you going into it you wondered if he was going to be able to to separate that too and he and he did yeah. you know i i thought the same thing like conor mcgregor going into 202 mm. once the water bottle throwing happened yeah. i was like diaz has gotten to mcgregor's head he's not going to stick to the game plan and like once the fight started he was all about you know he stuck mm. to it so i was disciplined i, I kind of see but i also think that kind of helps as a motivational thing for garbrandt mm. which he has here so it's a uh, 230 or 330 on the east coast let me see if we can get jared brooks on cool. the line before we uh before we try to talk a little uh rose namahunas Joanna champion um i'm sorry say that again i'm just saying we get jared on the line before oh, okay, we uh, cool. talk a little Rose and Yuana champion to uh, round out UFC 217 preview. So it doesn't, full disclosure, so it doesn't look like I was being a jerk. I was actually reading a message from Mike while he, Mike was talking to me. So when I didn't okay. hear Mike, it's because I was reading another message from Mike. <laughs> hey, Jared, how are you? Hey, what up, man? What's up? How much? Uh, so we wanted to uh, start off talking about uh, UFC Sao Paulo. Uh, you know, I, I watched the fight again this morning, uh, and... I still don't see how two judges gave it to him. How have you kind of come to terms with this? I'm cool with it, man. I'm working out right now. <laughs> Just easiest to move on and uh, and kind of put it behind you? Yeah. It's all right, man. Shit happens. It's a fight game. I don't mean I ain't going to be on the top soon. There's uh, there's kind of always been a shroud of controversy for fighters uh, outside Brazil coming to fight in Brazil. Kelvin Gaston recently, for of course, for different reasons, said he wasn't going to fight in Brazil ever again. Has that kind of been something you've thought about? You know what? Wherever they put me, I'm going to try to win. If I don't get the win, it's whatever. Hmm. But at the same time, I'm past it, man. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to win. Ready to win a world title here soon. Fuck everybody that, that doubts. I'm, I'm going in to win. You know, you seem to be dealing with the mentally super well. This is Elias, by the way. Thanks for being on, on the show, Jared. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, guests we've had on in the past that were, you know, undefeated, they talked about, you know, at moments when they were undefeated, putting a lot of pressure on themselves to, like, stay undefeated. That zero, that zero is a big thing to them. W- was that not a big thing to you in your head once you reached the UFC, uh, you know, thinking, oh, I've got to stay undefeated? You, it sounds like you're more focused on the larger goal of, 
of becoming world champion uh, at, at one point. Was it difficult for you at, at any point uh, to say, oh, my gosh, I'm not, I'm not undefeated anymore or, or not really? Well, everybody wants to be Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Everybody wants to have that no losses on your record. But, hey, guess what, bud? This is MMA. This ain't boxing. Hmm. I want to. I don't want to. But I want to move forward in a second. But I am. I am curious. So you've had in, so far two petitions in, in in the UFC. How how how? Do, what's take us to the mo? Take our listeners as well, please. To like that moment that when you're sitting there, you're waiting decisions. You, you hear okay, one judge has it this way, another judge has it that way, and you're waiting for that that uh you know that the third judge's uh decision to come coming in. What what's going on in in your head at that time? Is it is it as stressful as it as it seems watching? Dude, I mean, I thought I won it. I, yeah. I thought, you know, the first judge, I was like, oh, 30-27. I was like, all right, this is going to be a unanimous decision. And then I heard Davison, Davison's name. I was like, all right, so this is kind of messed up. I was like, but they're going to give me the win. And then, nope. I was like, all right, this is cool. Just went in the back. I was like, you know, I was down on myself for like five minutes and, mm. I got the fuck over it. <laughs> we saw uh, when you were watching the fight, you you were talking to McMaynard before the decision was getting read. What were you saying to him? I was like, you think I won that fight? And he was just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you talk to anybody in the UFC after the fight, after the decision yeah, was read? Yeah, I, I talked to Jose Aldo. I, I passed him, and he was just like, oh, man, you got fucked. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Then I talked to the uh, WEC, uh, the old WEC president that's still working with the UFC. Yeah, Reed Harris, yeah. Yeah, Reed Harris. Um, I can't believe I don't know his name. Uh, <laughs> but he came up, and he was just like, hey, man, yeah, you got fucked. And he was like, if it makes you feel better, the Red Hot Chili Peppers lead singer said that you got fucked. And that's like, <laughs> Anthony <"Thanks, Kiedis>. <laughs> I was like, that ain't making my pocket fatter, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a tough thing. Huh? Like, you know, you don't the, – the, the, the purses you guys get are split – win and loss you know so you you know even if you did beat someone in in, in actuality you still got to go home with 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 half of that i mean does that yeah and i'm uh, always something that grows with long longevity you know mm. what i'm saying and i think that's why uh like people like jose torres is watching me right now he th- he thinks he's going to be in the ufc and i don't think he's going to get there i think gleets and mma is going to beat his ass yeah, so you're talking about Jose Shorty Torres, another like yourself, another friend of the show. He's been on here multiple times. For those that don't know, uh, yeah, he's talking about uh, Torres is is a two division champion. He uh, he's definitely on the cusp of getting the UFC. But you're it sounds like you you don't think so. You don't think he's going to make it there. You think when he gets there, you're waiting for him. Oh, I think that's what's going to happen for sure. What's that? Jose and I are going to be fighting. <laughs> I was like, All right, let's go. <laughs> what's the history there? He's exciting. I'm exciting. I mean, we're, I think we're the only two 125-pounders in the division that can actually get it. You know what I'm saying? So There's no animosity there. There's a little edge. There's a little edge in there, Jared. Do you guys have any trash talk we're between fight. you? We're going <laughs> to fight. So I'm like, all right. If he's starting stuff with me and he's already a name, then I'm a name, then we're going to end up fighting. Mm. So uh, if he wants to start a war, I'll start a war. You know, there's uh, so much, I think, in the UFC right now or in MMA in general, you know, fighters kind of promoting themselves and kind of um, whether there's real animosity or just kind of getting talk going on social media. Is that kind of an element here? It's like, you know, that you guys will meet at some point in the future. You just want to kind of keep that conversation building out there for the fans. Yeah, because, I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like we're going to be the 25 pounders running shit after Demetrius leaves. Mm -hmm. So. 
I think Justin Scoggins and Jared Scoggins. That's a pretty good argument for that. I, I, it would be hard to disagree with that. Though these guys and, the, uh, and Scoggins brothers that you're saying, yeah, they, they, they do seem like the future. Not that Demetrius is wanting to go anywhere himself, but yeah, I mean these young Demetrius guys. Is gonna, Demetrius is going to lose everything in the next year and a half. Yeah. All of us pouring in, he's going to lose everything. Because of you guys coming up, or you think just you know the, his next fight, even if it's not against guys like you. I mean, I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, he could get, he could lose against anybody, but mm. Demetrius is pound for pound one of the best. But I've seen Ray Borg get destroyed before too. You know what I'm saying? Mm. You don't put too much stock in that in that last one, then. Yeah. Gotcha. A lot of people think uh, Sergio Pettis and uh, Henry Cejudo, the winner of that fight, gets the next shot. Who do you think wins that fight? Well, I want to see if Henry shows up. I, I messaged Mick Maynard already, and I was like, I don't think Henry might even show up. He just fucking messed up his foot. He thinks that he's all hurt, and I know how that goes before a fight. So, so you, are you, did you, you message him and say, like, you're ready for that one to fill in yeah. if he doesn't? I told him, I told him I'm on weight. I'm ready to go. That's awesome. Is that just part of you know how you always are looking to get back into the cage, or is it just more so because of the way that this last fight ended? Dude, I've always bumped up to wrestle. I've bumped up to fight. I mean, all these all these guys that are cutting weight, they end up being pussies by the way they cut in, and then they're kind of normal during the fight. I'd rather be small and ready to fight at any time. Huh. And when you're in there, do you do you do you feel like that there is a, a, a strength uh, advantage to these guys? You're able to overcome it, or do you think there really isn't a strength uh, advantage when the, these guys that no. cut a lot of weight? No, they they get tired real quick. Mm. I mean, I get tired just trying to handle them, you know what I'm saying? But they get tired real quick. And, uh, I mean, I, th- I think I'm ready for more rounds, you know what I'm saying? In Brazil, it was it was kind of crazy. The, the guy, uh, Marcus Gomes or something like that, you know who he is? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a beast. He went out there and killed shit. And that was a crazy, weird first experience being after him. Did, like that mentally, Brazilian was it crowd, that Brazilian crowd? They, I, I think they they tone it down for UFC viewers to see because that Brazilian crowd is fucking loud. Is it the loudest by far you've ever been around? Yeah, that's crazy. And what what is that like? Does that amp you up, Jared? Does it like take you a second to yeah, like? Yeah, it makes me it makes me think you gotta go, you gotta go, you gotta go. Huh. Which I think that the Brazilian style. I mean, I can understand why people in Brazil. Like more more thinking about it because like Covington at first I was like yeah he's kind of he's kind of right but at the same time it's kind of messed up that he uh, hmm. he said that because all those guys have to work probably three times as hard to try to get into the UFC hmm. the Brazilian they go, fighters they have, to go through, they have to go through a lot of animosity a lot of them came from the bottom of the bottom you know that's an interesting point yeah you're talking about Brazilian fighters yeah. Yeah, the reason why the fans are probably like that is because, like, oh, well, you don't see this off the street, you know, too huh. many times. It's a good point. Or just the UFC being there, too, right? Like, in America, we get a bunch of cards, but they get extra hype when they go down to Brazil, even though it's a growing market. It's interesting. So yeah. where where are you training out of uh, right now? Are you, uh, are you like, back home at your uh, local gym, or where, where are you getting in your work right now? You said you were just training today. Oh, man. Uh, Oh, uh, yeah, I'm just at home with one of my friends, Devin Jackson. I nice. think he's going to be an upfront tier at 135 here in the next, like, few years, too. The dude's nasty. I mean, he's 9-0 as an amateur. Wow. He's going to he's going to Las Vegas. He's going to try to win $100,000 in a four-fight uh, tournament. The Copa Combache? 
Yeah. Ah, very cool. Well, that's awesome. So how much do you... Yeah, his, name, his name is Devin Jackson, by the way. He's, he's gonna, beast. Well, tell him we'll have him on the show. I'd love to chat with him as well, after, especially after that after that uh, that tournament he's doing. That'll be cool. How much do you spar when, when, you, when you don't have a fight signed? Do you just kind of do like drilling and, and pad work and, and grappling, or do you spar outside of when you, you have a fight signed, an actual, like, quote-unquote, in camp? You know, um, yeah, I spar a lot, like boxing and stuff mm. like that. I just got to clean it up on the kickboxing and, uh, you know, go in there. I mean, there's a lot of things to work on. I'm, I'm young in the game, but with long, like I said, longevity, I just come in and murder shit, just like I did in wrestling. Mentally, did do you feel like after after going through an amateur wrestling career that like you weren't so so daunted by MMA because that's what I had heard from a lot of elite wrestlers is that even though they're when they transferred over Dan Henderson told us this Randy Couture said even though you're getting punched they never felt as much pressure uh, go, walking to the cage as they did and maybe even like state tournament in high school because it, wrestling matters so much to the wrestling community uh yeah I mean if you want to bring it to that point it's kind of like you know Dan Henderson he's some, he's a three-time pride champion. Like, that's crazy as hell. <laughs> Got Randy Couture. You know, he's a, he's a champion. Sometimes you just can't fucking listen to yourself. You gotta mm. go out there and just do it. That's awesome. Did you take to, to MMA from the get-go? Some wrestlers love it, and some others, they have to kind of, you know, get used to it. Anyone coming from any other, any other particular style, did you take to it, the freedom of it right away, Jared? Um... Yeah, pretty much. I've been fighting since I was young. My whole family's just been fighters, so fighting is just pretty much me. That's cool. All I do is fighting. So even when you were a wrestler, you were in your heart, you were in your mind, you were you were still you were fighting. Yeah, my dad handed me a box when me and my brother were really young, and he had a gi in there, and he had a wrestling singlet. My brother <laughs> picked the wrestling singlet, I picked the gi. So I was like, all right. That's awesome. You're from D- Detroit, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, we've uh, heard. Kevin. No, I'm from Warsaw, Indiana. Actually, uh, that's where that's where I'm originally from. But I live in Detroit right now. Gotcha. Uh, what was that like? Is that you know we heard a lot of stories about people. You know, Cody Garbrandt, for example, Kevin Lee recently talked about you know always fighting as a kid. Did you kind of have the same route? Yeah, I mean, uh, and we had a wrestling mat in our garage, and every Monday night, my brother and I would host kids to just come over and beat the shit out of each other. Uh, where they could be pussies that wanted to fight pussies or badasses that wanted to fight pussies or badasses fight badasses. What is it? Was the, the differentiation things bare knuckles and uh, gloves or what was the... No, no. My brother and I watched UFC and boxing, dude. We had boxing gloves, UFC gloves, anybody that wanted to use them. We could go bare knuckle too, you know? Did you have to hide that from your folks or, or was it like, hey, you know, it's all good? Oh, our neighbors were... Uh, we're wrestling friends, so really <laughs> that's phenomenal. I just had him. We just had him sign a paper, dude. I wanted to be a promoter since I was younger, also. No, no way. Wait, wait. How old were you when you're having kids sign a waiver before <laughs> fighting in your garage? That's uh, awesome. Like fifth grade, sixth grade. <laughs> that's so awesome. This is like genius level. Yeah, it's like a, you're a smart like young prodigy, man. like promoter, like. You know, if Steve Jobs was a prodigy for starting Apple in his garage, like this is like the equivalent of that right. for MMA. That's awesome. Well, that's what I wanted. To, well, I mean, that's what I wanted to do, and it's always been in my mind. It's always been in my mind to be a world champion too. Hmm. So, uh, you got a good chance of doing both. Then it seems like that's awesome. 
Yeah, I really want to go out and show everybody what I've actually done. And it's hard to get your story out. Anybody can go out and show people how to fight. But if you get your story out also, it'll give you a lot more supporters. And then you can go out and pretty much do anything, man. The power of fans is the power of magic. And that's why, I mean, Conor McGregor, look at him. So you put a, you're, you know, you're putting a big F in, uh, or I'm trying to what, figure out what I'm trying to say. You're putting a big, uh, a lot of a attention on trying to build that relationship with your fans to kind of build that grassroots support for yourself. Yeah. I mean, I think that's how you get up in the game. I think the more supporters and the more fans that you have, like putting energy on you for that fight and you also putting energy into that fight. You, you've had some like uh, fights fall out. I think you're supposed to fight Ian McCall in your debut. That fell out. Uh, has some of those th- kind of things, when something like that happens, has it helped you or has it hurt you And guards are trying to build that relationship with the fans? Um, I'm going to get big fights anyway. It really doesn't matter. I'm going to go out, especially when I win. Uh, you guys are going to see some some good trash talk. And I'm going to go out there and pretty much Nate Diaz the crowd. That's what you got to do. Like Elite XC Diaz or? Uh, any kind of Diaz. <laughs> any kind of Diaz, McGregor, anybody that's a genius in marketing. I'm not, I'm not following any anything. Like, I'm going to have a different reaction. But who are those guys, you know, supposed to look up to? I got to look up to the king of the game and maybe I can be the king of the game. What's a part of your story that you want to get out there? You want people to know? Uh, I mean, I like fighting. Period. I, I've just been involved with fighting my whole life. My dad's been involved with fighting his whole life. His dad's been fighting his whole life. So, I mean, that's a I've just had generations generations of fighting in my life. My brother, he uh, he's a badass too. He was supposed to be just like me pretty much but he picked the wrestling route and he's very smart and intellectual so i mean he's i've seen justin and if my brother went into the ufc man it'd be pretty uh it'd be pretty bad for other 125 pounders going in there because he's a badass fascinating we gotta have you come visit us in chicago sometime man have you in studio and uh, maybe we can do some video stuff too with uh, on, on the mats, man. You're not you're not too far away, or we got to get up to Detroit, one of the two. But it's been awesome having you on, brother. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it, guys. And uh, hopefully, you guys will see me fight in the next few months. Hopefully, it's like a month. <laughs> I imagine, be awesome. imagine UFC 218s, which you're uh, hoping for. That's what I'm really. I really want Sergio Pettis. Sergio Pettis kind of comes from the same background. I think that Sergio is a, a very good fight for me. Somebody that I can get very excited about, especially fighting in my home state. So going out in Brazil a month before and then going to Detroit a month later and fighting, that'd be awesome. All right, everybody, you heard it. Get on Twitter, at McMaynard and Sean Shelby, and and help get Jared on UFC 218 in Detroit uh, in December. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Take care, brother. Yep, you guys have a good one. Thanks you as well. Wow, that's fun talking to that kid. We got to have him on whenever he wants. What a what a fascinating fascinating guy. I think it's really interesting listening to his story. Uh, that's one of the greatest things about you know 
you, you get bits and pieces, like he was saying, we're trying to get his story out. Mm. You get bits and pieces, but to, to, to hear a fighter talk about their background a little bit more, yeah, you know, sheds a light uh, that you don't always get to see. You know, I, the I, I'm incredibly fascinated by the fact that he was running a promotion in his neighborhood in yeah. his garage. Got to write about it was, that. That's you know, so cool. Like we had in our basement, like my dad had a pair of boxing gloves or a couple pairs of boxing gloves, and like we'd go down and like wail on each other for fun, like. But we weren't signing waivers, <laughs> and like neighbors weren't showing up to watch, and it wasn't like every week on yeah, Sunday night or something. Very like, well it's, organized. That's fascinating that a, a kid was thinking that way. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. Um, that's pretty cool. You know, and and it really sheds a lot of insight into to the fighter he's become mm-hmm. today, and why why it means so much. You know, you talk about people like who love a thing. You know, musicians like they they get into playing an instrument or music when they're young and it's just like this lifelong like uh, relationship and it sounds like that's fighting yeah. with him you know he's from day one he talked about watching ufc and boxing with his uh family to just kind of like gravitate and latch onto it and like that's like his vocation and mm-hmm. his life mission super super fascinating that was that was a, a great talk yeah it was really fun i'm glad you got into mine yeah uh we're gonna have to have him on more often to you know kind of chip away at the story and hear him absolutely hear the next chapter. absolutely we got to coax him down here he's not too far man you gotta get him to chicago do some fun stuff here Maybe extra rounds road trip yeah oh man that, I'm, I'm down bro i'm down um that'll be a lot of fun we could do some cool things up there as long as we don't have him in or as long as we do have him and shorty torres in studio at the same time <laughs> that'll be fun <laughs> i don't know if security's <laughs> in the budget uh, but but that would be it would be intriguing. We, they, we wouldn't even be on the show; it'd just be co-hosts. Right <laughs> yeah, it's that's like, right. It's like when they do the UFC media conference calls, and like <laughs> it just become like the reporters just stand there and listen to people them talk to each other on the phone, yeah, and that'd like be every great. now and then gets in a question. That's what it'd be like. Be a good problem to have. We'd be there. What, what were your thoughts, Mike P? I love it. Don't want people to. Fr- oh, hold on. There you go. I love it. I, that's that's the Jared Brooks I I know and I've <laughs> talked to. Um, was honestly expecting more heat towards uh, Shorty Torres. <laughs> especially after he said he was you know moving on from his fight in brazil so i think it was great um but i, I definitely want to see those two fight yeah uh it should be happening sooner rather than later it's still kind of baffling that jose shorty torres is a two-way champion who's defending belts and titan and he hasn't been signed by the ufc yet you know um there's but you know he brought up a lot of there's a lot of good young names in yeah. the flyweight division which makes the whole future of the division debate that has happened baffling like Cejudo is still young pettis is young you got Jared Brooks, guy like Jose Shorty Torres is out there. There's Scoggins. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of names. So it was. Uh, it's interesting. It's definitely you know. Don't sleep on the flyweight division. It's no. there's, there's things going on there. Um, Absolutely. Well, let's uh, before we wrap up, let's touch on the one UFC title fight that we didn't make a pick. Oh on. yeah, yeah, yeah. Joanna versus Namahunas. Who are you picking? <coughs> I, I don't have a particular reason to go against the champion, uh, so I'll pick Joanna. But uh, I, I don't have any like level of certainty in, in, in that pick. I think it's a very interesting it's gonna be a very interesting fight. I, I'm really curious to see how how well Rose can get in on the hips and legs of Joanna and she can get her to the ground and which if she can, what she can do there. Really interested to see I mean there's <laughs> I love Joanna Jane Jacek as a fighter and just, you know, as a public persona she's very interesting. She is, however, like Ronda Rousey, like Michael Jordan, like Muhammad Ali, just a, a cruel bully competitively. And so she's put herself squarely in the villain's role here by 
talking about mental health issues against uh, with, with Rose. Rose's family has a lot, uh, a history of mental health uh, issues that she's talking about. And she says, you know, this is not trash talk to me. This is not a game. This is not a joke. This is this is dead serious. And Rose, like always, has looked dead serious uh, in all the pre-fight stare-down stuff. You know, there's a lot of theater to what Joanna does. There's like none to what, no intentional she's artifice. The same expression. All the time. She's ready to fight. I, I think that's going to be... A phenomenal fight. I don't think e- either woman, whoever wins, no, no, neither one of them is going to go down unless they get taken out. Like I think it's going to be a lot of doggedness in that fight. That's how a lot of Joanna's fights have gone lately. Yeah. Um, you know, she's fought a decision against Carolina, against Claudia, against well, I'm, I'm correct, Claudia, Jessica, definitely. Yeah. And but she's also faced people like Jessica Andrade, who were supposed to take her down. And right, you know, Rose has that ability, but that hasn't been something that's stopped you yet right so yeah hard hard to go against you even though um i'm really compelled uh in rose's story um uh, i i'm not a big fan of uh you using the um mentally unstable as kind of a absolutely not weapon. me neither um you know I, I wasn't a fan of daniel cormier using john jones attempts at sobriety as a weapon either I, you know sure i mean it's the fight game and people will say everything's off limits but at the same time it's like certain level it's like it's cheap that's people I mean? it's, 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 it's real like world. if it was wrestling it'd be cheapy like you don't need like if like you need that to right, like if that's right. like if you need that for the trash talk like you're forcing it and yeah you, you know you're clearly not creative enough like like conor mcgregor when he showed up like wearing that cj watson throwback warriors jersey like that's some next level <laughs> you know what i mean like like okay you worked hard for that like right you had to figure that out you had right to, like find the jersey from God knows where. Like <laughs> you couldn't just go online and order like a LeBron jersey right now. Right. You know. So that's um, true. I know people say like everything's it's fighting and everything's off limits or is fair game, but yeah. it's also you know. I don't think everything is but, fair like, game. About, well, but, think about Jared Brooks talking about marketing and like, right. trying to connect with your fans. Like sure. you're, you're marginalizing potential fans. Uh, no, I think that's that. right. I, I think the the truly cruel competitors like that. I don't think they're trying to gain fans. I think they're really trying to get a mental advantage. Like I think they're being cruel because she really thinks it will really destabilize someone mentally. Like and they put that first. They're they're ruthless at that point. They're not trying to get fans. They're trying to really affect the fight by yeah. starting with the mind. And and I think they're they make peace with the fact that they're that they're cruel in that way. You know, like Michael Jordan kept his stuff, you know, more, more secret a lot, like punching teammates or the trash talk. You know, everything wasn't mic'd up so well back then. He wasn't trying to use it as his public, his public face, but uh, he, he cared about all that. Even him, even him, uh, who was so concerned with licensing his name and him being bland outside of the off, off the court, that was all secondary to the to the win. So, yeah, I don't. Th- I think that's nonsense when people say everything's fair game. Well, I don't know what that means. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't excuse it, but. I think competitors who are cruel that way, I think they make they they make peace with it. I don't think it excuses it, but they they don't care. They're not trying to make fans. They're like, no, no, I am. I do think I can. I do think there's this uh, thing with Rose, and I and I do want her to like. I want her world to crumble a little bit right before I fight her because I want to beat her. Yeah, it doesn't excuse it, but it's important to to realize like that that cruelty is intentional. I think. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. Uh, I see, I see uh, Kiernan asking for a shout out. So there's your shout out in the chat. What's up? Uh, it looks like somebody else. Tommy is also a Warsaw, Indiana guy. Like ah. Jared Brooks. He's in the chat. 
Um, so we got some of that going on. So uh, thank you for everyone talking about uh, or watching the show and commenting and participating in it. It was uh, great to kind of see the comments going on there. Thank you for checking it out. Uh, make sure to follow Jared Brooks on Twitter at the underscore monkey god that's uh can I ask him about that nickname next time i forgot yeah, i forgot to ask him yeah. about that <laughs> well now we got a question for next time yeah one of the best nicknames in uh <laughs> you know like everybody's like you know the basher the destroyer or something that's <laughs> like that's like that's a unique, unique <laughs> nickname so next time next time but thank you everyone for checking it out um let's let's uh talk about what we got coming this week mike what do you got coming tomorrow night uh, tomorrow I'm just on remote broadcast. Um, Chasers and Niles, so we'll be there. Um, don't have a guest. Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're in Chicago, um, don't have a really a guest list. We're just kind of getting the three of us together and really going to break down this card top to bottom. So yeah, Chasers and Niles, um, right outside Chicago, six to nine p.m. If you can't uh, get enough UFC two seventeen talk, check it out. What's coming for you? Still working on this uh, regulatory piece with weigh-ins and, uh, and and doing a couple things, uh, a couple live streams. I think on my Facebook, uh, my Facebook uh, page. The what is it? The hell is it? I think it's just Elias Peta writing. Um, uh, but other than that, I'm doing a bunch of uh, stuff to prepare uh, the Matt Brown material before that fight, November uh, November 11th. Um, but yeah, I, it's <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if. Uh, if the underground of mixedmartialarts.com wants me to write up something from this past interview. So if, uh, if you caught the tail end of this, you want to hear a little bit more about that, that, that might be coming. That was pretty cool. The, the, the child promoter angle was, was pretty awesome. That might be kind of fun. Yeah. You're calling out Pettis. It's a, uh, you know, the, another thing we talked about this with Mickey Gall, but you got to know what you want. And yeah. You got to go like, that's what part of what makes Mickey go like, Jared Brooks has a little bit of that too. Mm-hmm. You know, he's already put it behind him. He's moving on to the next thing yeah. and he's got a vision. That's awesome. Um, so uh, normal Thursday column coming from me, a little crash course in UFC 217. So again, if you're not overwhelmed with UFC 217 stuff, um, thank you for everyone who took the time to check out the show. We appreciate it. You can find this just about anywhere. You can find it. Blog talk radio, iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, um, blog talk radio. We'll also upload the interview with Jared to, uh, YouTube later so you can check that out uh, and make sure to follow us all on social media we got our Twitter handles down there and Mike Peace is MP2310 yep man look at that scale that wasn't even written down <laughs> thank you everyone for checking out we'll see you next week <laughs>